0: through the years, I don't know how many times I heard people say, well, I can't believe the Bible because it's full of contradiction. Most times, I would ask this question, have you read the Bible? <laughs> Nine out of ten say, no, they never read it. They just heard that the Bible is full of contradiction, so they repeat this shared ignorance. But in reality, there is a contradiction between the secular mindset and the biblical, divine, eternal mindset. Well, think with me about these contradictions. How can the God who created the world become a baby? A secular mind cannot accept this contradiction. How can the God of limitless power hung helplessly on a cross... A secular mind cannot accept this divine concept. How can a secular mind accept that the only way to save your life is by surrendering it? Or in order to be great, you must humble yourself. Or the way to conquer is by yielding. Or the way you get is by giving. Or the way you lead is by serving. Or the way to freedom is being under a yoke. Now, I could go on forever about this. Now, there are some who, because of these contradictions to a secular humanistic mindset, they reject the true Christian faith. And that's sad. But that's why we pray. We pray for non-believers Through the power of His Holy Spirit, open their blind eyes as He opened our blind, spiritual blind eyes so they can see the eternal perspective, so they understand these divine concepts, and biblical concepts. Let me remind you, throughout this Advent season, we've been going through one of the many prophecies about the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. And we've been concentrating on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Well, today we come to this third of four descriptions. God called the coming Jesus 700 years before he came, that he is. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And now we're going to see why is He called Everlasting Father, because that third description, Everlasting Father, is what gives some people heartburn. And this is how they put it. Well, we can accept the fact that Jesus was called Wonderful Counselor. We may even strain our minds to believe that He is a mighty God. But everlasting Father... No, 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 no. Isaiah must have been confused. He was confused because Jesus is called Son, not Father. And He is confusing these two first members of the Trinity. Let me do this by asking you a question. What do we call the founding of this great nation? Founding fathers, right? Are they your fathers... What do we call city leaders? City fathers. Thank you. Are they our physical fathers? No. Where did we get this terminology? Where did we get this understanding? Founding fathers. City fathers. <laughs> From the Bible. Question. Where in the Bible? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 20. It says that Jabal was the father of all who dwelt in tents and cattle. Was he really the earthly father? No. Next verse, verse 21, Genesis 4, 21. Jabal's brother, Jabal, was the father of all who played the harp and the flute. But that's not all. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 14, Joab was the father of all craftsmen. Did he father all the craftsmen? No. Isaiah twenty two twenty 20, and 21, same prophet that we are studying. Isaiah referred to Elakim as the father of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Are all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were his children. No. Did he actually father all these people? No. So what's the idea here? Why does the Bible speak of so many people as fathers when they're not really earthly fathers. The Bible often refers to pioneers or founders or originators as fathers of what they pioneered or what they founded or what they originated and what they become responsible for It become common language. We use it all the time, become part of our language. Far from being confused, (laughs) Isaiah declared this divine truth 700 years before Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea. He proclaimed this truth. What did this prophecy, all of these hundreds of years before he came from heaven, means? It tells us this, listen carefully please, that Jesus, and only Jesus, is the founder of everlasting life. That Jesus and only Jesus is the pioneer of the new revelation of salvation and eternal life. That only Jesus is the founder of the new covenant of eternal life through His blood. That Jesus and only Jesus is the originator of eternal life in Him. And nobody can make it to eternal life in heaven without Him. What is he saying? He's saying that without Jesus, there can be no eternal life in heaven. So much For those who say, all the ways lead to God. And Isaiah is telling us that Jesus and only Jesus is the revealer of eternal life and light. That Jesus and only Jesus is the revealer of eternal love. That Jesus and only Jesus is the founder of the new human race that is drawn from every tribe and every language and every nation. Isaiah was not confused about the first two members of the Trinity. Far from it. God inspired Isaiah to use common language to describe a heavenly revelation. And that is why he calls Jesus Everlasting Father, the Father of everlasting life. In fact, this kind of language is not only in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament during the first century. Rome, when some Roman citizen... Who would have accomplished uh, something courageous or, or some heroic deeds uh, of great value? Uh, the soldiers would carry that person on their shoulder and they march him, and then the maiden would be throwing garlands of flowers on the ground, and then the whole crowd would hail that person as the father of the country. In fact, more accurate translation is the father of the age to come. Isaiah was telling his generation who were longing for a Messiah, who were longing for a Redeemer, who were longing for a Deliverer for that time, he says, lift up your eyes beyond your current circumstances. Lift up your eyes beyond your current situation and look to the time, which will be 700 years from now, where God is going to reveal His eternal life through the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ three things here about Jesus as the author and the revealer and the founding father of eternal life. First of all, Jesus is the founding father of the new creation. Write those down. He is, secondly, the founding father of the new covenant. Thirdly, he is the founding father of a new clan of people. Let's look at these very quickly together. Jesus, who is described as everlasting father 700 years before he was born, is the father of a new creation. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel knew about God. They did not intimately or personally know God. Now there were some exceptions. Abraham is an exception, where the Bible said that he was spoke to God as one-to-one, and he was called the friend of God. Moses is an exception. He communed with God like a friend commune with a friend. Uh, Daniel, uh, David, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, very few people who were privileged to have this intimate knowledge of God and experience the living God. But not the whole community of Israel. They did not. You say, why? Well, the Bible tells us why. The Bible said that there was a veil on their faces. The Bible said this veil was lifted by the everlasting Father, Jesus. (laughs) That the puzzlement was solved by Jesus. The riddle was explained by Jesus. The mystery was revealed by Jesus. Listen to what John said. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has seen Him. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is the one who revealed the heart of God. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is the one who revealed the hope of Israel. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is the one who revealed the nature and the character of God. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is the only one who revealed the mind of God. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is the one who revealed the only way to eternal life. It is Jesus, the everlasting Father, who is the only one who has revealed the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God, and the mercy and the grace of God. So much for all the ways lead to God. But there's more good news. (laughs) There's more good news. Because of his sinlessness and because of his righteousness, he is the only one who could reveal every aspect of the sinfulness of man and the wickedness of man. Jesus is the only one who could reveal the power of the mighty God to deal with the sinfulness of man and the wickedness of man. Jesus is the only one who could reveal the eternal life in the Father. Why? Because He experientially, empirically experienced the love of the Father, and therefore He was able to show us the love of the Father and reveal it to us. He alone could reveal it. How? By paying for the wages of the sin of everyone who believes in Him, everyone who surrendered to Him, that He bled on that cross, that blood was shed for them. God said that everyone who accepts this revelation of God through Jesus. The only revelation of God will become a new creation. That's why He's the author of the new creation. That's why the Bible said Jesus is the only author and finisher of our faith. And that is why it is a fallacy for people to say, all the roads lead to God, all the roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. Only the Christian faith leads to the God of power and might. Jesus was called the everlasting Father 700 years before He was born of a virgin because He's the only revelator of the new creation. Secondly, He's called the everlasting Father because He's the only revealer of God's new covenant. The entire epistle to the Hebrews compare the Old Covenant with the New Covenant and then concludes most assuredly that the New Covenant is far superior. In fact, the Old Testament would not make sense without Jesus. The Old Testament is the shadow, but in the New Testament you see the person behind that shadow. In the Old Testament it announces that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. The New Testament declares He's here. The Old Testament is filled with expectation and with hope of His coming. The New Testament says that hope is fulfilled. See, that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not in the shopping and all the stuff that goes with it. It is because we have joy in the fact that God became man. Every time you think of the everlasting father concept, think of how we often refer to Socrates as the father of philosophy and Galen as uh, the father of medicine and Heredotus as the father of history. Jesus is the father of the new covenant. John said the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were in Christ. And because he is the truth, not searching for the truth like Buddha, he is the truth, not trying to find the truth like Muhammad. No, 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 no. He is the truth. He is the truth. Sadly, throughout the Bible, we see and in our lives, we see how people opt for worshiping the creature instead of the creator. So, what is this covenant? Well, the word covenant is a contract. Most of you have signed contracts, or bought a house, or whatever. You signed a contract. That's what a covenant means a contract. And simply put, the details of the contract... Oh, by the way, there are no small prints. No small prints. They're all boldly written. And let me share them with you. The first item in the contract, when anyone comes to the point of acknowledging that he or she is a sinner, and they are sentenced to eternal damnation and hell and judgment, and when that person acknowledges... That he or she cannot placate themselves out of that judgment, no matter what they do. And furthermore, acknowledge that there is only one perfect God man who paid for that judgment by dying on a cross. And furthermore, when that individual received Christ as his only, her only Savior and his payment in the cross to be for them, that's a person who has signed that contract. (laughs) And what about the other side of the contract? Immediately, God presents His side of it. He gives you forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life, peace in this life and for eternity, renewal of heart and mind day by day as you obey His Word. And for each individual, while God Himself signed that contract on the cross, and yet He signed His name, when every individual come to Him in person, He resigned it again. He affirms it again. And here's the good news. He becomes the guarantor of that contract. He guarantees all the requirements of the contract. All He asks in return, that you walk with Him in obedience to His Word. Question, have you signed that contract? Have you signed that contract? That's the only way to eternal life Because He is the everlasting Father, because He is the founder of God's new creation. He's called the everlasting Father because He is the founder of a new covenant. And thirdly, He's called the everlasting Father because He is the founder of a new clan. New clan of people. What is that new clan? It's made up of all those who have signed the contract. All of those who have signed the covenant. All of those who come to Him surrendering and accepting all of the conditions of the contract. And it's made up of all those who have been redeemed. Made up of all those who have accepted it, and accepted it by faith. That new clan is not made up of anyone who's a member of a certain church, or any church. It's not made up of people who belong to a certain denomination. No way. This new clan is not merely of people who just claim to be Christians. No. Now, now, a million knows that new clan is made up of people who have signed that covenant regardless of race, regardless of background, regardless of health, regardless of wealth, regardless of where they come from. That's the new clan. Only one Savior and one clan. I know and you know that so often the true Christians are falsely accused of being narrow-minded. Prejudice. Have you heard that? Intolerant! Have you ever asked yourself why? Why these folks who refuse to come to God, God's way, would falsely accuse us? We're the people who are the most loving people on the face of the earth. I'm talking about the true believers. I'm not talking about those who claim to be believers. Why do they falsely accuse us with these false accusations? I want you to listen very carefully. Because, you see, they want us to be like them. And to be like them is to say, we're going to come to God our way, not God's way. And so when you say, no, 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 no. I'm going to come to God God's way, not my way, oh, oh, you're showing them up now. And they don't like it. They don't like it. They want to reject God's new clan, They want to reject God's new covenant. They want to reject those who say, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and giver of eternal life. Now, beloved, a true Christian, I'm a true believer in Jesus, can never, 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 how many nevers are these? Never, never, never be prejudiced. Let me prove it to you. The new clan is made up of men and women, boys and girls from every language and every tribe and every nation, every ethnic group. And we're going to be in heaven. And when John described heaven, that's exactly how he described it. How can we, who belong to that new covenant and to that new clan, cannot love one another? It just doesn't wash. Because we believe that the new clan in Jesus, the everlasting Father, is open to whomsoever, whoever comes under conviction and wants to receive forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life, to come regardless of where they come from. The invitation is open. The invitation is open. John Wesley was an Anglican priest and the founder of Methodism. One night, he was having a dream, and a dream started by an angel carried him all the way to the gates of hell, and there he looked at the angel who's guarding the gates of hell, and he asked, trembling, do you have Anglicans here in hell? And the angel said, oh, yes, we have many. Do you have Catholics here in hell? Yes. Do you have Presbyterians here? Yes, many. Do you have Baptists in hell? And the angel said, yes, we have many. He took a deep breath and he asked finally, what about Methodists? Do you have Methodists here? And the angel, to John Wesley's deep disappointment, said, yes, we have many Methodists here. In the same dream, he was Ushered into the very gates of heaven. And then he asked the angel at the gate of heaven, and he said, Do you have Anglicans here? He said, Not a one. Do you have Catholics here? He said, Not a one. Do you have Presbyterians here? He said, Not a one. What about Baptists? Are there Baptists here? He said, Not a one. Again, he took a deep breath and he said, What about Methodists? Do you have any Methodists here? He said, Not a one. In his deep and utter disappointment, he said to the angel, Who do you have here in heaven? And the angel repeated was saying to him, All those whose sins have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Give God glory. Give Him glory. (laughs) Beloved, only Jesus, the everlasting Father, not a church or a denomination, a pope or bishop or priest or pastor, can truly get you to heaven. For heaven is all about Jesus. I have to chuckle every time I see one of those Hollywood types, and they say, now, when I die, I go to heaven. I kind of scratch my head. That's Now, wait a minute. Heaven is all about Jesus. You're rejecting Jesus, and you're rejecting his church. <laughs> and you think when you die, you're going to heaven? That would be hell for you. <laughs> heaven is all about Jesus and the worship of Jesus. John the Revelator, though he leaned on Jesus' shoulder for many years, When he saw the glorified Jesus in heaven, he fell on his face. It is my prayer that if anyone here who has never really made that commitment, made acknowledgement of sin and recognizing that Jesus is the only one, the everlasting Father who can take you to heaven, who can give you peace here and now and peace for eternity, you do that today. Father, my comfort is that you know every heart, You know every thought before we think these thoughts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would speak to every individual, those who need conviction in order to come to the Lord Jesus and receive salvation, those who have known Jesus for many years, but they've grown familiar and never get really excited afresh at the fact that the God of the universe became a babe in the manger, died on a cross and rose again. May this be an awakening for some, for all of us, our Father. I pray this is a time of renewal. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org. dot org.